So this week we are kicking off a brand new series called Road to the Cross and we're going to be looking at some of the events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus, his final kind of week or so. Um, obviously we are on the run up to Easter, only three weeks away now, so we're going to be making our journey there, looking at some of the key events, some of the things that Jesus did um, on these final few days before he went to the cross. And so this morning, we're asking the question, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to follow Jesus? And in Matthew 16, it says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And so what this passage means is that your love for God should be higher than everything else. It should be higher than everything else. Jesus should be the object of your utmost and highest affection. And so it's talking about a sacrificial lifestyle, laying down our lives. And it's talking about an extravagant lifestyle, holding nothing back from God, but giving him everything. And so wouldn't it be great if we had a real life example that we could look at to understand and to inspire us and challenge us about what this looks like, what it looks like to follow Jesus, to live this kind of sacrificial and extravagant lifestyle. Well, it just so happens we do. Thank goodness for the word of God. Amen. And so as it's Mother's Day, I thought it would be fitting to look at a beautiful act of a woman of God, who, a woman who Jesus loved dearly. And so we're going to read from John chapter 12 and just look at this portion of scripture. Jesus chapter 12, starting at verse 1. John, not Jesus. I mean, it's all Jesus' book, isn't it? So don't pull me out on that. John chapter 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, she's still serving, still doing the work. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. And Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. And so the title of my message this morning is A Beautiful Thing. And so just to give you the context here, this is set shortly after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so it says that they gave a dinner for him. They gave a dinner for Jesus. So we can kind of assume from this uh, that this is a dinner, this is a meal, this is a celebration, not only of uh, Lazarus being alive now, but in honor 
of Jesus, who is there as the guest of honour, to thank him, to celebrate him for this incredible thing that he did in raising Lazarus from the dead. And so this was a celebration moment. And at this meal, at this celebration, there are some things that we can learn from the actions of Mary, from this beautiful thing that Mary did. And the first one is this, she gave her best. She gave her best. You see, she uses this jar of expensive perfume. In Mark's gospel, it says she breaks the jar and pours it over his head. And we read that the whole house was filled with the fragrance. I don't know about you, but I love a good fragrance. I love a good perfume. I don't know why men have to call it it eau de toilette, which sounds a bit unpleasant, doesn't it? Americans say cologne. That maybe sounds a little bit better, but I feel weird using Americanisms. But I enjoy a a good smell, a good fragrance. And so, I don't know, if I'm walking down the street or if I'm sitting down behind someone and I get a whiff of their pleasant smell, then I I have to hold myself back from from commenting on it and saying, you know, because whether it's a guy or a girl, it's probably still a bit weird for me to say, you smell lovely today. (laughs) But that's what I'm thinking because I really enjoy a good smell. And in fact, one of my favorite colognes or whatever you want to call it is Hugo Boss, the original Boss Bottled. But it's not a cheap cologne. It's not a cheap smell for a man to wear. And so here's a little tip for you. Just head up the road to Lidl. Lidl sell an incredible knockoff called uh, Bellini X Bolt. It's four pounds instead of 40 pounds. And it smells exactly the same. I'm not kidding, exactly the same. They've got a whole range of these knockoffs that smell like something else. It's brilliant. In fact, just last week I found a new fragrance in Home Bargains. I absolutely love it. Four pounds. Love a bargain. I love a bargain. But Mary's perfume was not cheap. It wasn't a knockoff from Lidl or Aldi or Home Bargains. She didn't pick it up from the bargain bin and just think this'll do. It was an expensive perfume. In fact, when we hear this comment from Judas, when he judges her actions, we hear that it's worth 300 denarii and that equates to a whole year's salary. A whole year's salary. This is not a cheap perfume that she is offering up to Jesus. So just take a moment to consider the depths of her love that she must have had for Jesus to sacrifice this thing of such value, of such worth. And she chose to willingly bless Jesus with this expensive perfume as an act of extravagant worship, of extravagant worship. You know, this wasn't something that she did with a begrudging heart. She didn't give it to him thinking, it feels like the right thing to do, but I really don't want to do it, but I'll do it anyway. It was her delight to bless Jesus in this way. It filled her with joy to be able to make this extravagant, beautiful offering to Jesus. And so she broke the jar out. She broke the jar and poured it all out. I love that she broke it, that picture of of breaking, there's something in that because when she broke this jar, that means there's no keeping any leftovers. There's no way that she could have gone, okay, I've got this expensive perfume, I want to bless Jesus with it, but what I'll do is I'll just use some of it and then I'll keep the jar and hold a little bit back for a rainy day because it's quite expensive. So I just want to be a little bit cautious with how much... 
She breaks the jar open. All of it is spilled over Jesus' head and his feet. There is no holding any of it back. She gave it her all. And then there's this really interesting parallel here because as she makes this extravagant offering, this extravagant anointing for Jesus, we then hear Judas pipe up. He was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What on earth are you doing, you crazy lady? Do you know how much that perfume is worth? Why are we not keeping it and selling it and giving the money to the poor? And as we read, his comment had nothing to do with helping the poor and everything to do with helping himself. Mary's action is selfless and Judas' response is selfish. Mary's action is one of generosity, but Judas' response is one of greed. Who do we relate to most in this story? How do we feel? How does it make us feel to think about sacrificing a whole year's salary to Jesus? That costs something. That's a challenge. That's, that's going to impact our lives, isn't it? Jesus said in Matthew 6, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we can see quite clearly from this picture where Mary's heart was because she gave of her treasure. She broke it all out. She held nothing back. Are we holding back? Are we holding on to a little bit of something just in case we need it for a rainy day? Are we, are we, or are we giving Jesus of our first, of our best, extravagantly, beautifully, with a joyful heart? What might it look like for us to follow in Mary's footsteps and, and carry out this kind of extravagant act of worship, this, this extravagant act of love. It, it even stretches our, our imagination just to, it stretches our vision just to imagine this, this act of giving up something of such incredible worth. If we were to just think for a moment about making this kind of sacrifice as a blessing, as a, a, an act of honoring to Jesus, it, it stretches our, our understanding of actually what our life could look like when we live this life of extravagant, of abundant worship to Jesus. But Jesus rebukes Judas, and I love how it's put in Mark's gospel. Jesus says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And Jesus' rebuke of Judas, it invites us into a deeper and truer discipleship with him because it encourages us to, to put aside the, the self-centered nature that we all have, that kind of uh, natural instinct to be a little bit greedy, a little bit selfish, a little bit cold-hearted at times perhaps, and create and cultivate within us a generous heart, a warm heart, an attitude that just wants to, to give, an uninhibited act of worship. Mary held nothing back. She held nothing back. She gave it all for Jesus. She broke that jar. She poured it out for him. She gave, it, she gave him her all. And then just a few days later, just a few days later, Jesus goes to the cross. And there he gives it all for us. Mary led the way in that sense for us that she gave her all to Jesus and then 
he reflected that by giving his all for us. And so we should be living that kind of life where we hold nothing back, that we are just willing and pleased to give God our all, to give him our everything, to hold nothing back. And Judas' comment in this moment about Mary's act being a waste it's a waste what, are you, what you're doing. Why are you doing that? It seems like such a, 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 a stupid use of, of finances. And I think perhaps that can be a little bit like how the world looks at us as followers of Jesus. Why on earth would you get up early on a Sunday and go to church? Don't you know that you could be having a lie-in? Especially today when the clocks have gone forward and we've lost an hour already. You could have a lie-in. Or you could be going to brunch. Or you could be hitting up the golf course or whatever it might be. Why are you wasting your time on going to church? Why do you worship for so long? Why do you stand there singing for so long? Well, do you know when we get to heaven, we are going to be standing and singing for a long time. And it won't be another song. Are you kidding me? It's going to be, yes, I get to worship him some more. I get to keep going. In one of the other Gospels, it's not just Judas, but a group of disciples making this comment. And I think it can be a little bit like even fellow followers of Jesus looking at someone in the worship service who's perhaps going a little bit extravagant in their worship. They've come to the front and they're kneeling down. They're waving their hands around. They're jumping. They're screaming. They're shouting. And we kind of look at them and going. Maybe that's a little bit too much. Maybe you're just getting a bit fanatical. But that's this attitude that the disciples are expressing when they comment to Mary's sacrifice because actually it pleases Jesus. It pleases Jesus when we hold nothing back, when we give him all of who we are, when we just get uninhibited in our worship and say, I don't care what anyone else in the room thinks. It's me and God, and I'm going to worship him how I want to worship him. I'm going to go all in for this. It pleases him. He loves it. And so Mary's offering this perfume that she anointed Jesus with it was expensive. We've said that. It was expensive. There was a cost to her offering. There was a cost to her worship, to this expression of love to Jesus. And so perhaps a question for us this morning is, is the reason that we are not going all in, is the reason that we are not all in with our worship because we're scared of the cost? Is the cost holding us back? whether that's a financial cost for tithing or whether that's a, a time cost for volunteering and serving or whether that's a, a shame cost for going a little bit bonkers in worship. Is it, is it the cost that's holding us back in our worship, that's holding you back from being extravagant, from expressing such devotion, from giving God your best? Mary gave God her best. She gave Jesus her best. And secondly, she humbled herself. She humbled herself. Do you know, for a lady, her hair is a symbol of, of beauty and it's also a symbol of, of modesty. And so you would find that, that women in Jesus' day would wear their hair up when they were around other people, sometimes covered. 
And they would only let their hair down in the, in the comfort and the freedom of being with their husbands or their families. And so actually in this moment, with other people and other guests in the room, for Mary to let down her hair was a big deal. And it probably made the disciples and the others in the room feel a little bit uncomfortable, maybe even embarrassed for her. What, what is she doing? This is not acceptable behavior in this day and age. But she humbled herself. She didn't let the, the, how other people felt about her actions get in the way of how she expressed her love and worship to Jesus in this moment. And that was only the beginning of the humility of this act that she carried out because she then proceeds to wash Jesus' feet and not with a bowl of water and with a towel, but with this ointment, with this perfume. And then another gospel records that she used her tears in with that to wash Jesus' feet. And then she uses the hair that she has let down to dry his feet. Have you ever been so overwhelmed by the presence of God that it's driven you to tears? Have you ever been so moved by the power of the Holy Spirit that it's driven you to your knees. Mary didn't hold back in her worship and she humbled herself. You know, I quite like shoes. I quite like particularly trainers. It's one of the many reversed roles in our household, as well as me doing the cooking and Ruth doing the DIY. I have a larger shoe collection than Ruth because I like shopping and she's not into shopping. But uh, I've admitted this to various people, but I'll do it now publicly. I have a number of trainers that I don't like to get dirty. And so it is not unheard of on a rainy day, a rainy Sunday morning, for me to put some of these trainers in a bag and wear my dossy trainers to come here and then put my good trainers on in church and then change them again when I go home so they don't get dirty. In fact, these trainers are some of them. These are like my high heels. Because I like, how they, I like how they look, but they are not comfortable enough to wear all the time. These are my high heels. And actually, I do have a pair of everyday trainers that I wear all the time that I've just accepted they're going to get filthy, they're going to get dirty. Um, but the last pair that I had have started to split at the seams, so they will not do anymore. So I had to go and buy a new... I had to go and buy a new pair of trainers because I wasn't willing to relegate some of my good trainers to dotty trainers. So I had to go and get a new pair of trainers. I use my birthday money. It's not like I'm just, you know, spending frivolously. But you don't know how hard it is for me to take a pair of box fresh trainers and then just ex accept that they're going to get wet and dirty. Oh, pains me just to talk about it. Whew. But I did it. I did it. I have a new pair. You'll no doubt see them at some point. A new pair. And they keep my feet clean and they keep my feet dry when I am out in the rain and the mud. But in Jesus' day, here's where I get to the actual point. In Jesus' day, they weren't as fortunate as me to have a variety of shoes to choose from. In fact, if they weren't going bare feet, they were probably rocking open-toed sandals, not with socks, I might add. And so when they're walking around the dirty floor and they're kicking up all the mud, and they walked everywhere, they walked for miles and miles, you can only imagine how grim their feet were. That was to think of washing someone's feet when they've been walking around barefoot or in sandals for the whole day. It doesn't bear thinking about, does it? 
<laughs> and so some people were fortunate enough to have people who would wash their feet, but this really was a job that was reserved for the lowest of the low servant in the household. This was not a pleasant job. And yet in our scripture this morning, we see this beautiful picture of a woman, not, not a servant, of a woman, a friend of Jesus, who has a right place to sit at the dinner table and just enjoy being in his presence. And yet she chooses willingly to humble herself and get down on her hands and knees in the dirt and wash the feet of Jesus. And just because he was God does not mean he had magic self-cleaning feet. He was also fully human, so they were filthy. And she used her hair and she used her tears. So she wasn't doing it even at a distance. Her face was right down there. Her face was right down there. She was right in there, humbling herself before Jesus. What is she doing? Why is she doing this? And we began by asking, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And it looks like this. It looks like this, this act of Mary. Because Mary was giving her absolute best. She was holding nothing back in this moment. She abandons all of her pride and she humbles herself, not grudgingly, but willingly out of her pleasure and her joy and her delight to serve and honour Jesus by washing his feet. This thing that Mary did, this beautiful thing, was an extravagant waste. But you know what? Jesus loved it. He absolutely loved it. It brought him joy. It pleased him. In fact, in Mark's gospel, it says, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what Mary has done will be told in memory of her. This story this act of extravagant waste, Jesus said, will be linked to the gospel wherever it is told. And here we are, 2,000 years later, learning and talking about this incredible act of Mary. He loved it. He loved it. And Mary's offering, it says, her act of worship filled the house with sweet fragrance. In 2 Corinthians, it says, we are the aroma of Christ. We, as followers of Jesus, we are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. Have you ever been offered some food but then turned it down because you're not particularly hungry in that moment? And then you get a whiff of what it is they're cooking. Or you're walking down the street, you're doing a bit of shopping, and then you smell Subway. You can always tell when there's a Subway nearby, can't you? Or a Domino's, or a bakery. Is anyone feeling hungry now? We've got some snacks for you afterwards. Some incredible team have been working hard, making us some sandwiches and some afternoon tea stuff. So we're going to feast later on. But do you know, this idea of just... I don't feel like I want anything, but then you get a smell, you get a whiff of something, and that's all you can think about. I must have a pizza right now. It just oh, it envelops us. I just, when it hits your nose, you're like, this is what I must 
have. And that is what our lives should be like for Jesus. That actually, when people get a whiff of the fragrance that is coming out of us through the way we speak, through the way that we act, through the way that we love on those around us, when they get a whiff of that aroma, it should be so sweet that they are just like, I can think of nothing else but knowing more about what it is that's making you live like this. I want to know more about this person of Jesus that I see through the way that you act, through the way that you speak, through the way that you love. And this beautiful act of Mary has such a powerful meaning. And this is where we kind of get more into the the road to the cross. Because as Jesus is telling them to leave her alone, he explains the reason why. And he says, she did this for my burial. She did this for my burial. This wasn't just any perfume. This wasn't just expensive perfume. This was perfume meant for the burial of Jesus. Because there was a process in those days after someone had died, a a preparation process whereby the body would be washed and then wrapped in cloths and then anointed with sweet fragrances uh, and then placed in the tomb or wherever. And it's for two reasons. Firstly, a practical reason that, you know, it kind of helped to preserve and delay the the delightful decomposing of the body and and remove some of the nasty smells that would naturally come over time. But secondly, it was a sign of respect. It was a sign of love and of kindness and of honour to the deceased. And it's interesting that Mary does this in this moment. And we can presume by the words of Jesus that this was not a coincidence that it didn't just so happen that she did this act a few days before Jesus died. Because I believe that that unlike the clueless disciples who had been told at least three times that Jesus was about to die and still didn't get it, I believe that Mary got it. And actually this moment that we are reading about this morning and unpacking is actually an act of knowing devotion that she did this with intentionality, that she absolutely knew what was ahead. And in this moment, in this act, she was saying the hour has come. The time has come. We must get ready. We must prepare. This was an act that came from knowing what was about to happen. And we're only three weeks away from Easter, but there is no Resurrection Sunday without the death and the burial of Jesus. There's no Resurrection Sunday without first the death and burial of Jesus. And that's the same for us because there is no life, there is no living with Jesus without first dying to self, without first taking up our cross, without first putting aside our selfish desires and putting Jesus above everything else. Mary humbled herself. And then thirdly and finally, Mary didn't waste this moment. She didn't waste this moment. In verse 8 it says, Jesus said, You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Don't waste a moment. Don't waste a moment. Don't miss out on an opportunity to honour and to bless God with your words, with your actions. Because what he wants above anything else, what he longs for, what he desires for above everything else is relationship with you. He just wants to spend time with you. 
He wants to hear from you. He wants to do life with you. Jesus is telling us that we should honor him. We should worship and adore him whenever the opportunity presents itself. Don't miss a moment. You know, pre-planned, carefully choreographed moments of adoration and of worship are great. But how much greater are spontaneous acts of love and of devotion to Jesus? Because it's in the spontaneity that we can truly release what's in our hearts, what's in our souls and our spirits. When we're just bubbling over so much that we can't hold it in any longer. And so it flows out of us as love of worship, devotion to God. You know, today is Mother's Day and we love to give our mothers gifts to let them know how special they are, to let them know how how loved they are. But I could almost guarantee that, that the majority of women, and I know this, this is true for Ruth, that actually, beside all the gifts, beside all the gifts, the thing that they want the most is just to spend time with their kids. It's just to spend time in the presence of your children, to hear from them, to have cuddles from them, to let them tell you stories, even if it's about Pokemon or Fortnite or whatever it is, that just to be in their presence and spend time with them. And that's what Jesus wants. He just wants to spend time with us. He just wants us to be in his presence. He loves the gifts, he loves the acts, he loves the worship, but he just wants to be in relationship with us to hear about our lives, to hear about not just the big stuff, but the small stuff too, because he cares about each and every one of us. There is no detail about your life that is too insignificant for Jesus to care about. Just tell him what's going on. Even if you think you're waffling, just tell him what's going on because he loves to hear it. He loves to hear it. Give him your best. Give him your all. Hold nothing back. Don't waste a moment. Don't waste an opportunity to bless, to worship, to honour God. Humble yourself in order to honour him. Remove any self-importance, any fear of shame. Just shake it all off. Get on your knees at the feet of Jesus and worship him. And worship him. I read this, this, uh, this statement and I'll end with this. It's a beautiful thing when the worth of Jesus and the love of his followers match. It's a beautiful thing when the worth of Jesus and the love of his followers match. When the value of his perfections and the intensity of our affections align. How beautiful is that? Because we know that our God is worthy. We know that he has done everything for us. He didn't hold anything back when he died on the cross. And so he deserves everything that we have got. He deserves all of us, our whole lives as living sacrifices. And so when his worth and our actions align, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what we see in the story of Mary. Why don't we pray? Father God, we are just so, so grateful for everything that you 
have done for us. And as we journey towards the cross over these next few weeks, as we look forward to celebrating the risen King on Easter Sunday, may we not forget everything that you went through beforehand that meant that we could celebrate. That actually in that moment on that cross, you gave everything for us. You held nothing back. You humbled yourself. You took on shame. You were ridiculed, you were mocked. And you did that willingly for us. And so as we remember that, may we take this, uh, this inspiration from Mary as well, that we would hold nothing back, that we would give you our best. God, that we wouldn't be fearful of shame, but that we would just humble ourselves and get on our feet, on our knees in your presence to worship you and give you the honor and the glory that you deserve. And God, may we never miss a moment. May we never miss an opportunity to praise you, to bless you, to give you all that you deserve. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.